Good morning. It is Easter Sunday, 2020, the day that we celebrate the empty tomb and our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. On this day, I want to ask the question, what is the big deal about Easter? We, we know it is a big deal, but the question is, why is it a big deal? We, we know it is the cornerstone of our Christian faith. Uh, we have heard that. Perhaps we have said that. But why is it the cornerstone of our Christian faith? We know that honestly, everything that we believe hinges on the events of Easter. But why does everything come down to this one event? What is the big deal about Easter? Now, I want to tell you this morning as we begin, I'm afraid that we're losing that understanding, that we're losing that perspective. And I'm, I'm afraid that today we are missing that. And as we get year by year further from the events of Easter, and more than that, as we are covered up today with the world's ideas of Easter, I believe we are failing to see the hugeness of these events that we call Easter. So again, today we're going to ask the question, what is the big deal about Easter. Our message this morning is entitled, Understanding Easter. Understanding Easter. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 5 this morning. If you have your Bibles, please turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 5. Again, the sermon is entitled, Understanding Easter. God's Word says this, now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures." and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, we're thankful for the truth of God's word. We're thankful for the truth of a risen Savior today, a resurrected Savior today. Lord, we come and on this resurrection Sunday, we exalt the name of Jesus. We lift up and we celebrate the name of our risen, resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that today in the, the hearing of the Word of God, I pray that we will be equipped. I pray that we will be instructed today. I pray that we will be encouraged today. And Lord, I pray that in the hearing of this Word, if there is one, and perhaps, Lord, many that do not know you by faith, that do not have a saving relationship with you. My prayer is that this Easter Sunday in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, we give you this hour. We give you this service. We ask that you would take it, that you would bless it, that you would multiply it, that you would be known through it. Most of all, we pray that you are glorified in it. Lord, we love you, and I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Today, the verses that we are going to use in our examination of Easter are these few verses here at the beginning of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, uh, to understand the, the context of, of our discussion, we need to understand the context of the verses. 
And so understand that the verse, the verses are written to the church in Corinth. They were a worldly church. Now, the ideas of the world, the thoughts of the world, the, the morals of the world, uh, the outside world, they had crept back in to the church. This, these folks had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had received the gospel of Jesus Christ. But over time, the, the pressures of the outside world, the influences of the outside world had crept back in. Now, like all of the, the early churches, they had the effects of false teachers. Now, Jesus warned of that. Uh, in the New Testament, Peter warns of that. Paul warns of that. But here in this church in Corinth, they are seeing the impact of false teachers. Now, they are teaching counter to God's truth. They are misleading the church, and really they are disturbing the church. One of the false teachings was that there was no resurrection of the dead. Now, very simply, it was that the dead were dead. And that was the teaching of these false teachings, the teachers, that there is no, there was no resurrection of the dead. Today, if you think about it, our situation today is also very similar. If you think about the pressures of the outside world and the, the influence of the outside lost world. And if you think about false teachers that are impacting the church, and, and I'll just tell you, my land's more than any time I think there are false teachers in all these avenues, and they're, they're bleeding their false teachings into the church. And, and we have all of these things very similar to this church going on in the church today. Also today, we have many also attacking the idea of the resurrection. And we need to be very sure today and understand this. The idea of reincarnation is an attack against the resurrection. The idea that we are released at death and we become one with some greater power, we become one with all things, that, that new age teaching is an attack on the resurrection. We need to understand the idea that we just cease to exist. And, and there's many that say, well, when you die, you just cease to exist. And that's all there is. And you, you, you end at your death. Understand that is an attack on the resurrection. The idea that the resurrection is a spiritual resurrection. That it's not an actual resurrection, not a physical resurrection. Understand that teaching is an attack on the resurrection. And so we find ourselves really in the same situation today. We've got the, the influence of the outside world. We've got the false teachers and they're creeping their false teaching into the church. And we have an attack on the truth of the resurrection. Well, let me, let me say this as we begin today. We need the truth in the church today. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, more than any age, we need the truth today. There is an absence of the truth in the world today. There is an absence of the truth in the church today. And I want you to be sure we need the truth today. Oh, we need the truth. But not just any truth. And not just somebody's version of the truth. We need the truth of God's word. We need the truth of the biblical gospel of Jesus Christ. And so how awesome that we 
have these verses and Paul is going to tell them the truth and how awesome that today our need today as well is the truth. We need the truth today. Well, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul sets out, and that's these introductory verses, he sets out to give them the truth. With these things going on, with the with the influence of the outside world, with the influence of false teachers, with a direct attack on the resurrection, Paul sets out to give them the truth. And so these verses, as we listen in, they're going to lead us today as well. And so again, remember our question, what is the big deal about Easter? Why why do we hold it in such regard? What is the big deal about Easter. All right, let's go to our verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and we'll read the first two verses together. Here's what it says. God's word says this. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed it in vain. Now, that's a, that's a huge introduction. I want to say that again. Here it is again. Now, I make known to you, brethren, Christian, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, Paul is about to launch off here. He's about to go into the details of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he starts by making it very clear. There is one gospel. And that's how he starts this section as he's about to launch off into this. He makes it very clear. There is one gospel. He says here, I make known to you. That is his goal. I make known to you the gospel which I received that that I had learned, the gospel that I preached, the gospel that you heard and you received, and the gospel by which you are saved. Now, as I I read this verse, uh, I can read into it. I I can feel here Paul's urgency as he says this. He is is telling the gospel that I learned, the gospel that I received, That is the exact gospel that I preached to you. It's the one that you heard and you received and is the gospel by which you are saved. I feel his urgency. Friends, I want us to see today there is only one gospel. There is only one gospel. There's not many gospels. There are not several gospels. There's not even two gospels. There is only one gospel and it is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the verse says, and Paul makes very clear, and the only way to be saved is in the one true gospel. Understand that today. There's only one gospel. There's not versions of the gospel. There's not different interpretations of the gospel. There's not several gospels. There is only one gospel, and we're saved by faith, by trust in the one gospel. Do you see what a victory Satan has if he can get us to say there's other ways to be saved? 
That's our day. That's what's happening today. Do you see what a victory Satan has if he can get us in the name of, of intolerance or the name of political correctness or the name of pluralism to say, you know what, I can't tell you your way's not right and maybe there's some other way. This is the best way I know, but I'm not going to exclude those other ways. Do you see what a victory Satan has if he can get us to say there may be other ways to be saved? Hear me today. There is one gospel and if there's any any hope, if there's any chance that you would be saved and any chance that I would be saved, it is in the one true gospel. Paul says, I'm about to tell you the gospel. It's the gospel we're saved by. There's only one gospel. He's about to tell them the gospel. All right, here it goes. Our first point today. The purpose of Easter. The purpose of Easter. Now, I want you to start to build an understanding, a biblical understanding of Easter. Why is it a big deal? Well, the first thing we start off with is the purpose of Easter. Listen to verse 3 now. For I delivered to you as of first importance. That's a matter of priority. The, the priority thing, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. To understand Easter, we must know what the purpose of Easter is. And I, maybe, our, maybe our breakdown today is maybe we failed to see this, maybe we failed to say this, but I want, you to, I want you to see, to understand Easter, we must know what the purpose of Easter is. Listen very carefully today, friend. The purpose of Easter is the payment of sin. The purpose of Easter is the payment of sin. For sin, that Christ, the verse says that Christ died for our sins. We, we have to know that. Understand this morning the purpose of Easter is not that we would see the glory of God. We do see the glory of God in it, but that's not the purpose. The purpose of Easter is not that we would celebrate a new hope. And yes, we have a new hope in Easter, but listen to me, that's not the purpose. The purpose of Easter is the cost of redemption. The payment for sin would be paid, period. That is the purpose for Easter. When you sinned, when I sinned, the first time when you sinned, when you knowingly entered into sin, when you sinned, the first time you sinned, you became a sinner. And that's the truth. Not one of us is good. Not one of us is righteous in God's sight. When you sinned, when I sinned, we became a sinner. Now, when I lied, I became a liar. When you lied, you became a liar. When you cheated, you became a cheater. When you, when you were prideful and arrogant and you went into rebellion, you became a rebel. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. Now, I want you to see no amount of good works can undo the fact that I have lied, that I have rebelled, that I have cheated. I am a sinner. There's no way to tip the scale as some were teaching. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, we are sinners. 
and the payment for sin is death. Oh, that we would understand that. I'm a sinner and the payment for sin is death. You are a sinner and the payment for sin is death. All the way back to the garden, the sinful pair, the guilty pair, because of sin, they will toil and they will, they will sweat and they will work in pain. They will deliver children in pain. But ultimately God says, and you shall surely die. Ever since then, we have seen physical death after physical death. It starts with them, and we've seen grave after grave, and we've watched funeral after funeral, grave after grave, and it's the visible expression of the spiritual reality. Death is the payment for sin. The payment for sin is death. Back there in Genesis, there in the garden, God takes the animals that he built to live. Animals that would run around, that would frolic around, that would jump around. Animals that he built to bring joy. Animals that he built for life. These animals so intricate that he built for life. He kills them. Their blood is shed. He takes the skin of these animals to cover sinful people. The payment for sin is death. In the sacrificial system, the Bible says there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And they would come and they would have committed sin and they would take a lamb and they would take that precious lamb, the best lamb, the, the highest ranking lamb and they would, they would sacrifice it. They would slice its throat and they would take the blood of that lamb and they would, they would take it and they would dip a hyssop branch in it and they would sprinkle it there on the altar and it was a covering of sin for a sinful people. The payment for sin is death. The Passover lamb as God delivers his people, they took a lamb that was dear to them. They killed that lamb and they took the blood of that lamb and they took and they painted it over their doorpost. They covered their, their doorpost that when the death angel came and when you were covered by the blood of the lamb that you could escape the judgment of God. The payment for sin is death. The payment for not being under the, the blood is death. Listen, the payment for sin is death. In the New Testament, the book of Romans, it says, and for the wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. That is the reality of it. That is the requirement of it. The payment for sin is death. Listen, it is just and it's earned. The payment for sin is death. That's not unjust. That's what we've brought to ourselves. The payment for sin is death. And then listen, and the purpose of Easter is God in his grace and God in his mercy. He, he sends his only begotten son and he never sins and he's the lamb of God and he walks his way to Jerusalem and he rides a donkey down into the city of David and he stumbles his way to the altar of the cross and he is whipped and he is beaten and he's stretched out and he's nailed to the cross there and he dies on that cross and he is the payment for sin. That is the purpose of Easter. So heavy, so shameful, so terrible, so beautiful. That is the purpose of Easter. He dies for sin. 
Some of you would say, well, preacher, why do you have to talk about sin today? Why do you have to talk about blood and, and a sacrifice today? Why must you talk about the cross today? Why not hope today? Why not joy? It's Easter after all. Why talk about those things today? Friend, listen to me. The glory of Easter is robbed. The glory of Easter is vacated. If not for the purpose of Easter, he pays the price for sin. Isaiah says, he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell on him. The purpose of Easter is Jesus dies for sin. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Jesus dies for sin. The second point we see in our verse is the provision of Easter. Now, I want you to follow and I want you to start to build these things, add these things together. But the second point we see from our verse is is the provision, what comes out of the provision of Easter. Now, now see this, get this, stay with me. The payment for sin is death. The payment for sin, that's what we just learned, is death. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never sinned. Why does he die? He, he never sinned. He never entered into sin. He was tempted in every way as a man, but he doesn't sin. He never sinned. Why is he on the cross? Why is he suffering? Why does he die? Folks, listen to me. He dies our death. He takes your penalty, and in doing so, he dies our death. And God's hatred for our sin, God's wrath for our sin, God's judgment for our sin is placed on him. He never sinned. And in the grace of God, the Lamb of God dies paying our penalty. I don't, I don't know that we're seeing that today. We need a Savior we're hopeless without a Savior. We need a perfect lamb to, to go in our place. We are hopeless today without a Savior. We are eternally lost without a Savior. We're dead in our sin, condemned in our sin without our Savior. Folks, the provision of Easter is we have that Savior. Payment for sin is death and Jesus takes our penalty. He dies our death. Listen to Romans chapter five, verses eight and nine. Listen, it says this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than having now been justified by his blood. We shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. The prophet Isaiah said, and by his scourging, by his stripes, we are healed. 
the provision of Easter is a savior for the remedy, the price of sin. Can you start to understand Easter now? Can you start to see why Easter is such a big deal now? It's not, it's not the things that our world's telling us. Can you start to understand the profound heaviness, the awesome glory of Easter? We are sinners and the payment for sin is death and Jesus comes and he provides a way. He is the savior in death. I listen today and I hear all sorts of things. I hear Folks, and they're trying to make this a sanitized version. They're trying to clean it up or maybe it's more pleasing. And they say, oh, the death of Jesus, it was an unnecessary death. Listen, no, it was necessary if I was ever going to be saved. Some say it was a murderous crime. It was a murderous crime that was inflicted on Jesus. No, it was the payment for all of the crimes that I had committed. Some say it's the brutal demonstration of a bloodthirsty God. No, it was God shedding his own blood. It was his blood that was shed for my salvation. The payment for sin is death and Jesus paid it all. I have a savior in Easter. We have a savior in Easter. We've looked at the purpose Payment of sin. We looked at provision, a, a savior, a remedy for sin. Next we see in our verse, the power of Easter. The power of Easter. Paul continues verse four. I'm gonna read three with it. For I deliver to you of first importance that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Verse four, and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Some were saying there in Corinth, there's no resurrection. That's not possible. That's not logical. There's no resurrection. I've watched folks and they've died and they don't come back from the dead. We put them in their grave. They don't come out of that grave. And they're saying, you know what? You have to be reasonable here. You have to be logical here. There is no resurrection. They were saying there's no resurrection. Maybe, maybe we can have a religion apart from the resurrection. Maybe we can say, well, there's some good moral things to know. Maybe there's some spiritual things to take in here. But we can have a religion apart from a resurrection. Understand what they were preaching was a powerless gospel. Friends, it saddens me to say today we live in the age of powerless gospels. And I watch in these days and we live in an age of powerless, pathetic, sad gospels. And, and listen, if, you're, if your gospel requires your work, it is a powerless gospel how many folks are teaching you have to do something? There's something you have to do to be saved. There's something you have to add to your salvation. Listen, if your gospel requires your work, it is a powerless salvation. If your gospel requires your effort, it is a powerless salvation. It's not gonna ever be sufficient. 
Listen to me today. If the fruit of your gospel is material gain, and that's the hope of your gospel, that you'll have material gain. If the fruit of your gospel is health and wealth on earth in this life, and that's the the hope and the fruit of your gospel. If the fruit of your gospel is is better lives or, or better morals or better anything. Listen, it is a pathetic, powerless gospel. Oh, but I want you to hear me today. If your gospel is the truth, that Jesus, the very Son of God, He came for sin and He died for sinners and He shed His blood and He paid the full price and He reconciles the accounts and He, and he secures redemption and the curtain of the, of, the, of, the, of the temple is torn and there's access now to God and He's taken the death of the cross and He's, and he's placed in a grave and He's dead. If your gospel is three days later, Early in the morning hours as the sun comes up that the grave is open and the tomb is empty and the call is he is not here for he is risen and the lamb is alive and the savior is alive. Listen, if that is the truth of your gospel, there is power in that gospel. Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. What a powerful God we have. What a powerful Savior we have. What a powerful gospel to tell of it all. Friends, that is the power of Easter. The grave is empty. Death is defeated. The tomb is empty. The lamb is alive. That is the power of Easter. So we have the purpose of Easter. We have the provision of Easter. And now we see the power of Easter. Are you starting to understand Easter? Are your eyes being opened up to the the glory of Easter, to the glory of our Savior of Easter? Purpose was the payment for sin. The provision was a Savior who defeats sin. The power is a resurrected Savior. Are you starting to understand Easter this morning? The last thing, and it is a big deal, and I, and I don't know, I thought about it in all the theological ways that you could evaluate it, but I'll just tell you this. The biggest deal for us as sinners is the promise of Easter. The biggest deal for us that have sinned, that have committed one sin, who have lied and become a liar, who have cheated and become a cheater, the biggest thing about Easter, the biggest deal of Easter for us as sinners, listen to me, is the promise of Easter. You see, these are the facts, but they're more than facts. Be sure and understand these are the events. These are the actual historical events of Easter. Some want to debate that. Listen, these are the facts, but they're more than facts. These are the events, but they're more than just records of events. There is a promise in Easter. And we can get so used to saying, yes, he came, and yes, he lived, and yes, he died, and yes, he's risen again, and I've got the facts, and I know the facts, and I can spit out the facts. Listen, yes, it's the events. Yes, it's the facts, but there's more than that. There is a promise in Easter. See this. In Easter, the penalty is paid. In Easter, the receipt is issued, and that's what the resurrection's about. The receipt is issued. Yes, God has received the penalty. It is paid. 
In Easter, death is overcome. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? In Easter, death is overcome. In Easter, Satan is defeated. He's triumphed over. The, the, the serpent's head has been crushed. In Easter, Satan is defeated. Those are the facts of Easter. But in those facts, listen, a promise is made. A promise is given. A promise is secured. And the promise of Easter is if you believe that, you will be saved. You will be saved. We've covered all this ground this morning. What is the big deal of Easter? We've covered all this ground. You want to know what the big deal of Easter is? It is this. By faith in Jesus, we are saved. That is the promise of Easter in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Salvation is secured in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. Salvation is offered and the promise of Easter is sin is reconciled. The promise of Easter is forgiveness is offered. The promise of Easter is victory is at hand. The promise of Easter is peace is abundant. The promise of Easter is eternal life is given. The promise of Easter is robes of righteousness cover our filth. The robes of Jesus, his righteousness are issued to sinner. The promise of Easter is by faith in Jesus Christ we are saved. We are saved. That is the promise of Easter. In faith in Jesus we are saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Listen to this. Maybe you'll hear it in a new way. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, listen to this, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the promise of Easter. You will be saved. This past week, I read about and I saw a video of a church that's doing all of these things to what they said is to up Easter a notch. They paid all these celebrities to come in and this celebrity's gonna come in and this celebrity's gonna come in and, and they got this big deal planned and they've been advertising it all over the internet and they say they're, they're playing this Easter in the midst of these dark days, these uncertain days is to up Easter a notch. Friends, I want you to be sure there is no higher notch than when sinners are forgiven and rebels are redeemed and by faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved. There is no higher notch. There's nothing you can add to that. By faith in Jesus Christ and no work that we could ever do in the finished work of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are saved. 
If there's no Easter, there's no hope. If there's no Easter, there's no future. If there's no Easter, listen, there's no point to any of this, but there is an Easter, the death for sin, the burial, dead in the grave, the resurrection of Jesus, it is finished in him. There is an Easter, and by faith in Jesus, we can be saved. We can be saved. If you're listening today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you the promise of Easter stands this resurrection Sunday morning, Easter 2020, by faith in him, you can be saved. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the truth is this, you're a sinner. All of us have sinned. That's the truth. The truth is there's a payment for sin and it's death. And if, and if we don't pay it, we're, we're condemned. We're, we're gonna die separated from God if somebody doesn't pay it. We'll pay that penalty. We'll be separated in eternal punishment. The payment for sin is death. But the good news of the gospel is Jesus comes. And in him we have a savior. In his finished work we have salvation. If you're listening today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the Bible says by faith in him, you will be saved. That's speaking to you today. You've never settled that. Today, it's as simple as saying, you know what? By faith, I repent of my sin. I turn away from it. By faith, Lord Jesus, I claim you as my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and save me. Lord, in the best I know how, I'm gonna walk with you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord, save me. The Bible says if that's the desire, the prayer, the words of your heart, you are saved. If you're listening today and you never trusted Jesus Christ, settle it today. Settle it today. The promise of Easter is by faith in Jesus, we are saved. If you're listening today and you are saved, I, I want to tell you as I, as I plan this out, this point came and it hit home. Listen, if you're listening today and you are saved, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. Not for some trumped up worldly celebration, but for the fact that there's forgiveness of sin, reconciliation with the Holy God, and we're saved by faith in Jesus. Listen, where you sit right now, praise Jesus, praise Jesus, praise Jesus. It is Easter. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come. And I'm thankful for a Savior. And I'm thankful for a God that loved me and loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son. And though he would have to come and leave the glory of heaven, he would come and he would empty himself. And he would take the form of a bondservant, a slave. He would humble himself to the point of death. The Bible says even death on a cross. Thankful for a Savior that went to that cross for me, for my, my sin, my payment. And there he paid it. There he received it and he paid it. He paid it in his own blood. Lord, I'm thankful. They took you, Lord Jesus, and they put you in a grave. Three days later, you walk out of that grave and in resurrection power, you stand. And the receipt is issued the lamb is risen, the king stands. 
And there is no other name given among men by which any man must be saved. And now all glory goes to the resurrected king. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for some that are hearing this today that need to put their faith in you. I pray that you stir in their hearts. I pray that you won't let them rest, that you won't let them sleep. There'll be no peace until there's peace with you. And I pray that this message, the gospel, the drawing of your spirit, that they would put their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for us as, as the redeemed of, of the blood of the cross. I pray that we would celebrate today. I pray that we would celebrate throughout this day and it would carry into the next week. It would carry into our thoughts. It would carry it into our obedient acts that you be glorified. Lord, we're thankful there is an Easter. And in your gracious, kind name, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.